0: you're listening to michelle redfern and mel butcher on lead to soar bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world learn more at lead
1: Before we get into Michelle and Carrie's discussion, I need to mention a couple of things. First, I need to mention that Michelle and Carrie are based in Australia. So for our U.S. listeners, they are going to mention something called super, which is short for superannuation. This is an Australian government-mandated type of retirement account that's similar but not the same as Social Security in the U.S., it might even be more comparable in some respects to your employer-sponsored retirement plan. Regardless of where you sit in the world, it's important that you understand that in providing this podcast, neither A Career That Soars, nor Lead to Soar, nor Michelle Redvern, nor Carrie Ashbrook, nor Mel Butcher are acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant or lawyer. Find full disclaimer details at the very end of this episode. All right, let's get to the show. Our career Q&A guest is Carrie Ashbrook. Carrie is an entrepreneur, businesswoman, author, coach, business transformation expert, corporate executive and investor. Carrie is the founder of Life You Choose where she pursues her passion to help women achieve financial independence and live the life they would truly choose. Welcome, Carrie Ashbrook, to Lead to Soar.
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome to A Career That Soars and Career Q&A. Uh, this month, my joy to have my friend, Kerry Ashbrook, with us to talk about, well, I'll let her, uh, talk about having a life you choose. Uh, before we start, I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land wherever we meet today, and I uh, pay my respects to their elders past and present. They hold the memories, the traditions, the cultures, and the hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people across the nation. I myself am coming to you from Boon Wurrung, and Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation country. So welcome, Kerry, and, and really terrific to have you here. Thank you,
0: Michelle.
2: I did some, uh, as not that I had to do much stalking um, on you because we know each other pretty well and, and I know your story, but I, I thought the other day that I'm just going to Google Kerry Ashbrook and see what comes up. And, of course, a whole bunch of different stuff came up about your corporate career and the stuff that you do with Life You Choose But one of the pieces that came up was a a condensed version of who you are and and your story. And I'm going to condense it because I'm going to ask you to talk about it more. But I I think, how does it feel to you to be here with us as a kid who grew up in caravan parks, travelled around Australia, left school a couple of times, and then ended up being where you are, a corporate successful corporate executive, and running your business your your current side hustle but how does that story play out and, and welcome and let's hear about your career that has soared thanks michelle
3: look i i think that you know we are the sum of all of our experiences so growing up traveling around australia in a caravan park and construction camps and contributed to the work that i do today quite frankly because I got very used to change and every time you went somewhere else, it was you had to start all over again. And and so I think from a career perspective, that really put me in the direction of the career that I took, which which is really about transforming organisations and transforming business units and divisions. So the other side of the story around life you choose was really growing up in that environment as well and watching my parents who worked very hard their entire lives end up with with very little money and at the end of the day they bought and sold a few houses through that time and but basically ended up with nothing and ended up on the pension ended up in a commission unit in in bendigo and so so watching them go through that knowing that they were the you know dad was the hardest working person i ever met also gave me that desire that a I didn't want to end up in that same situation, and I also wanted to be able to have a lot of choices through life, and I had no financial sort of fallback. It was up it was up to me. So you know, as you said, I left school a couple of times, didn't finish year twelve, but then went went on some time later to um, to do my masters and and bought my first property uh, out of you know the desire to actually own a house instead of renting because I saw where that might lead to. And from there, it just really compounded and, uh, and continued to grow. And so my passion is about working with women and hopefully inspiring and challenging them to, to live the life they choose and say, well, if I can do that from where I started,
2: you can too. Mm. We've got a lot of parallels in our lives, which you and I have discussed over a couple of cheeky glasses of rosé from time to time. And one of those is that word choice. And like you, I have always, well, in fact, someone did ask me, they said that you're the most driven person I've ever met. What drives you? And I went, "Hmm, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. It was a hard question. But when it all came down to it, every conscious and subconscious decision I've made about my career and my life has been like in line with yours. I want a choice. I want a choice to be able to do stuff. And frankly, be financially secure, being like you, being a parent of young people. Well, they're not so young anymore, but also being responsible for them. I wanted to be able to have the choices that I wanted to have, but also to create a life for them that perhaps wouldn't have otherwise happened if I hadn't been so deliberate. Mm. I'm curious, though, when you think about your work, so when you were in your corporate, or you're still in your corporate career, you you took a really, early on you took the, or you made that decision to start coaching women in particular, or having those conversations with them about, come on, <laughs> ask for this, do this, take control, be deliberate, be planned. What was the catalyst for doing that?
3: Look, I, um, I, it, it was really... Watching women who, you know, you could see how how great they were and what their talent and their potential was, but for whatever reason, they were they were actually holding themselves back. You know, they were waiting till they did this thing or or, or you know, and and they were starting down on a trajectory in a life that that probably wouldn't give them those choices, and they weren't taking conscious control. A little bit like probably what I did early on in my career where you sort of start and you get a job and you get going and, and you, you know, you're waiting for someone to see how great you are as opposed to you actually taking that control. And I think particularly, you, you know, when we're just starting out, we probably don't have the confidence that later we kind of grow into. So it was really watching my friends, my family and, and women I worked with knowing that if they chose to and they wanted to, they could do so much more than what they were currently doing. And they just needed some of that encouragement. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Who gave you that encouragement? So who gave you the career advice? Well, if you think about the best career, what's the best career advice you've ever received and why?
3: Look, I think um, it was that, it it was that kind of, you know, if I just work really hard, you know, someone's going to notice, they'll see what I do and I'll, I'll be able to start that sort of progression it took me a while, like, like it does, I think, a lot of people to realise that that actually wasn't the case. The best advice I think I got was to, to have a go, to go and talk to that manager about if, if you wanted to work in that area or you wanted that job, what you were interested to apply for the job. Um, oftentimes we don't feel like we're quite ready, you, you, you know, or we think, oh, well, someone else is going to get that. You can see someone, it looks like someone's already been tapped on the shoulder, so I'm not going to have a go. But have a go anyway, because yeah. there's been, a, it enables you to showcase what your talent is and, and what you've done to a panel of people that you just don't know where that conversation's
2: going to go. And there's
3: and been it enough- also,
2: sorry to interrupt, but it also, it signals your intent, right? To, to a whole bunch of people who go, oh, right. So I didn't realise Kerry was interested in yeah. going up or doing whatever. Now we know. Yeah. So it's, geez, it's a good, good bit of advice.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Interested and ready. Yeah, yeah. And ready is if you're 60% of the way there, you're ready. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I just yeah. always say to, and particularly to hiring managers, you know, unless you've got a, unless you've got an environment that's in a state of, you know, requires remediation and you need yeah. someone to come in and hit the ground running and start fixing stuff, you know, we we don't want people who are, oh, actually, I, I shouldn't make gross generalizations but typically you'd be looking for someone who's going to develop and grow into the role so for women I I particularly say and look I've been the same in my career oh I'm not sure if I'm qualified enough holy crap you know (laughs) really if you're 60 percent of the way there you're ready but I think that piece of advice have a go and signal your intent and and that the network that you start to build of people who are on that panel Who go, okay, so, okay, she might not have been right for this role, but gee whiz, we know who she is now. And where might she pop up in my soup later on or be thought of? So, absolutely. So, if you think about leadership, so for us, leadership is using the greatness in you to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes by engaging the greatness in others. And of course, this month in A Career That Soars, we're talking about using your personal greatness. So, thinking about that and thinking about leadership, who's the best leader that you've had and why?
3: The best leader I've had, I guess it's really interesting that, and and I'm not sure I want to share how many years ago I worked for Bob Finch, who was at that stage the um... Oh, go on.
2: I'm always saying, (laughs) yes, I've been in the workforce 40 years and people go... I say I was two.
3: <laughs> yeah, look, I, 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 I met Bob in 1995 um, yeah. and he was the general manager of Western Australia and uh, it was, I think, about 1998. Um, so this is in
2: Australia Post? This
3: was in Australia Post yeah. In, in, yeah. In, in, in WA. And, and so I, I actually, I, I kind of did what I, I, I just spoke about. I said to him that, you know, I'm ready, give me, give me something. When are you going to give me something challenging, I think, was what was my comment to him, which was obviously a bit cheeky at the time, and uh, I guess, and he did, but he gave me a um, a wonderful, challenging opportunity. And look, what differentiated Bob from a lot of leaders that I'd had before and after was that he really he really trusted and believed in people, and he didn't just say that. You, you know, he demonstrated it time and time again. He asked you what you needed and then you know did what he could to actually enable you to have that you know there was one time when so the job was the the warehouse and the supply chain in western australia for you know all of the consumables that were needed to run the business as well as all of the stock like stamps kind of important Mm -hmm. in the post office and express post and so it was december and the um Post offices were running out of stamps and express posts, which is just, just
2: a like, slightly busy time of the year for Australia Post. Yeah, yes.
3: <laughs> And he credited the work that I did with saving his career, which was lovely. I think it was a wee bit of an overstatement. But, you know, I was not at the level to report through to the general manager at that stage in my career. I was not yet an executive. But in that role, because it was so important to him, he had me reporting to him. But what he also did was he introduced me to the managing director. He had him come out and have a look at the the warehouse and the work. He invited me to an executive dinner with the managing director. He told people about my work. He invited me to the executive conference. And from that time forward, all of that work led to future career opportunities in national headquarters. And it obviously gave me that relationship also with the managing director. So he became a trusted sponsor and mentor yeah. and still to this day is a, um, is a friend that I will value for the rest of my life because he, he materially intervened in my career and, and effectively sponsored what, what happened next.
2: Just so good. Such a great example. So Bob's engaging the greatness in others. So he's engaging the greatness in you and the others around you. He's also being what we call a PI mentor. So a strategic mentor, which can often evolve into sponsorship, which clearly did with, with Bob. So with PI, you know, P is performance of the business. I is image as a leader E is exposure to decision makers and decision making. So he did all of that, but he was also not just making a connection. So often you know mentors will will provide oh you know Bronwyn you should meet Kerry and and that's great that that's nice but how about I take Bronwyn to a meeting with Kerry and we sit down and Bronwyn gets to observe us on a board for example not that Bronwyn needs to because she's on a board but just picking on Bronwyn because she's right there in my face but so Bob's giving you exposure to the decision makers and decision making but importantly he's actually getting them exposed to you and the way you work so really great example of both engaging the greatness in others and that pie mentoring so good on you bob and that's a real working case of of pie mentoring um, in action so if you um, if we come back to our leadership definition um, and the, the our theme of the month for February around using the greatness in you. So, using the greatness in you is your strengths, your attributes, your worldview, your values, and your personal purpose. And <clears throat> it's typically what women are told the most about in leadership. So, we don't ordinarily... F- we don't not focus on it, but we certainly focus on the missing thirty three percent a lot. However, thinking about using the personal greatness in us, what's your advice for women, us women, to use the greatness in us so that we can have a life we choose? So those back to those choices, what's your advice, Kerry?
3: I recently re-watched Susan's TED Talk about the career advice you probably didn't get, which talks to, you know, leadership is using the greatness in you to achieve and sustain, you know, extraordinary outcomes through engaging others. And, look, I was thinking about that in this context. So using your skills and talents and experiences to help the organisation achieve their financial goals and doing that by working effectively with others. And for me, that applies to all parts of your life. I think often we we kind of separate work from or career from home and life. And, and the reality is it shouldn't be. I've seen extraordinarily talented women who do have that business strategic and financial acumen, but they kind of leave it at, at work. And they don't come home and actually apply those competencies to their own lives and their own money. And, and we need to use our personal greatness to do that if we're going to be able to have the life we choose. We are our business. We are our own CEO. And we need to take control of our P&L mm. if we're going to actually be able to choose our lives. So, you know, we give so much of ourselves to others, to our job, to our partners, to our children, to our families, and we don't spend enough time really thinking about, well, what do we want? How do we take control? Have you got clarity about where you, you want to go? You know, what's your strategy to get there? What's your purpose and what's your vision? What are your goals? Uh, how do you build Your capacity and your confidence. How do you build those experiences that are going to help you in your career and also in your life and 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 what you want to actually achieve there? So it's not kind of here and here. It's 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 the sum of all the parts around your career, your life, and your money. And I think that you know you know we just we don't necessarily spend that time engaging our personal greatness on on what we really want and need for ourselves.
2: You and I did an event together about four odd years ago. And I I'm gonna say this with the greatest of respect, but we got women to that event. We got a hundred women to that event under false pretenses. So I called it a health, wealth and wellbeing expo because I knew if I if I created an event, this is for, for women who get it, that said, come and talk about your financial well being, we wouldn't actually get anyone turn up. And I'm 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 being deliberately harsh because you and I've both had this experience and yep. many discussions about it. Anyway. So we get these hundred women in the room and Kerry gets up to give her keynote around, let's manage our P&Ls. Here's some deliberate uh, choices that you can make. And and I remember as clear as day, a woman next to me, she said, this isn't what I bought the ticket. This is what I came for. And I went, "Uh uh-huh. She goes, I came for, and we did actually have some other people there doing wellbeing and things like that. You know, all the stuff that women are immersed in and marinated in every single day. But, and she said, wow, I feel like I'm here under false pretenses. And I said, yeah, would you have turned up otherwise? She went, nut. Nah. And I said, are you glad you didn't? She went, yeah, I am actually. And one of, and she said to me, you know, I got a real shock when Kerry said you are one divorce away from poverty. And, and I said, so what shocked you? And she said, I think she's talking about me. Mm. And, you know, I, I, resonate with what you said about we don't take the P and home with us or that thinking around our business strategic and financial acumen. And I'm being grossly general with respect uh, to all of the women listening, but I am still I am still encountering women who actually they don't know what their superannuation balance is. Or more practically, how do I ask for a pay rise or how do I effectively go into a salary negotiation and ask for what I'm worth or say this is what I'm worth or manage the pushback that I might get? So there's just a whole lot of different ways about being deliberate about that. So what would you, God, there's so much to talk about here. And as all of the women on the call and listening will know, I'm getting very animated, Mm -hmm. but what should we do? So, what's the practical advice about using our personal greatness, frankly, to make sure that we don't become women who are without choices? Particularly my age. So, I'm 55, and my age bracket in Australia—55-year-old women and older—are the fastest-growing group of homeless people in Australia, which is astounding and appalling. So.
4: To not be that, what's, what's Chelsea, the... Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. The statistic in my mind is that at any given point in time, at the moment, there's 400,000 Australian women, 45 plus, at risk of falling into poverty.
2: Thanks, Cassandra. And that is mind-boggling. And I've, I've been on a couple of things this week which have fuelled my perpetual outrage around this. But so if, if for our listeners, Kerry, and, and the women on the the call, our our members they're thinking, well, okay, I think I'm okay, but what could, what more could I do? What are some key things that you'd be calling out for them to pay attention to or take action on?
3: Yeah, look, I think, and Cassandra, that, that we're now focusing on the 45, whereas I think before it was the 54 and certainly through this pandemic, now the discussion is more around the 45 because it's going down and it's getting worse and worse. And so for me, it is about, you know, taking control of of your life your work and your money and again they're not they're not separate things that they're they're actually a part of all the whole because you can't have the life you choose without the money without the income and and it's just the 45 is 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 even more frightening because what it's saying is that we need to get our act together before that but but we don't necessarily think about or engage and I think super is a really great example of that and there's you know all of the research around why that that doesn't happen because it's so far out in the future yeah we don't engage in it now whereas mm. if we did engage in it now quite frankly that part of our future would take care of itself
2: so and I think it's sorry to interrupt Kerry but if I think about you know you and I and, and our experience where we differed is I had parents who were very very deliberate about. Myself and my sisters knowing money, knowing the value of buying a house, putting money into super, things like that. So I knew that from a very young age. So I bought my first home when I was 21, so on and so forth, because I knew that was a part of being secure. But like a lot of other people, then got divorced. Women, I was divorced in my late 30s, and frankly wiped out. Um, so I had to start again. Apart from my super, which is, you know, it, it is quite reassuring. Our kids, so your, your son Liam's 18, my daughter's 26, my son's 30, they're going to get a good grounding in this stuff. But I've got to say, I'm going to ring Kelsey today and say, what's your super balance and do you know? So I think super's one thing. And there's a real, you know, I think love or hate super, it is out into the future and sort of, yep. you know, well, I'll pay attention to that later. But if I, and of course some of it, some members in some geographies, there won't be any superannuation or, or, or statutory superannuation. What about salary and what about how you use your salary? So, number one, getting the right salary. So, I'd like 10 bucks for every time I've heard how do I negotiate, what should I ask for, blah, blah, blah. So, that would be my first one. What are some quick tips around that, around salary negotiation or salary full stop that you'd have?
3: Yeah, look, uh, there's a few things for that. I think the first one is the best time to negotiate salary is when you get off of the job. So when you're going in for the interview, be prepared and and have done your research. What is the market rate for that role? Um, there's a number of different ways of trying to ascertain that. You, you know, you can just Google seek jobs that yep. are actually advertised. Talk to people in your network that might be in similar roles that are going to actually give you some information in regards to that. Glassdoor
2: is another one. Glassdoor is quite yep. useful for looking at salary benchmarking.
3: Yeah. And then, you, you know, put together your case. I mean, this is a business case. This, this mm-hmm. is what, what are you offering the organization? And based on that, you know, what's your salary expectation? And really value what you bring, what you actually bring to the job. And make sure that, that you really do know and believe in your worth. I think that, that oftentimes we kind of, and, and they're uncomfortable conversations. I'm not saying this stuff is easy. You, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with my manager when I came back from maternity leave and he didn't want to give me I heard I wasn't going to get the CPI increase so and I kind of went well that doesn't really make sense to me because I should at least get CPI otherwise effectively my salary's gone backwards for the simple reason that I've had some time off to have a child and uh and you know that doesn't seem right now the first start of that discussion you know, it was very uncomfortable, and and he certainly wasn't the best leader I've had. And the second conversation was equally uncomfortable, if not worse. So it clearly, but wasn't Bob? I, no, <laughs> it wasn't Bob. I wouldn't have had to have that conversation. before. No. Um, but I did get that. I did get that salary increase, and you know, it, it's it's so important to actually have those conversations because income is what actually feeds everything else it feeds your p l it feeds your ability to buy a house to have investments to to do all of those things and, and then the other part is that if you know if you're in an organization and, and, and profits tough and and, and they really they you're small going and they they can't afford it what else can you actually negotiate on what are some of the other things that would give you some personal benefit and so you know, you know flexibility is is one of those things but oftentimes Women trade fix- flexibility for financial security. So make mm. sure you're not actually doing that. But, you know, what What other elements? I mean, working from home now, you know, we're all doing it. It's the biggest social experiment that's ever happened. And, you know, for most of it, it, it works. So what are the things that work for your life as well? So it's really being very clear on what you want
2: superb advice and Bronwyn's made a a comment in the chat to say the biggest salary increases she's had have come from leaving the organization and getting hired elsewhere you know that as a hiring manager that's really painful and as a woman as someone who works in the business of helping organizations tap into and recruit and engage and advance more women that makes my head hurt yeah because, and Sam's saying the same and, you know, and I've been the same too, you know, it's the, all right, well, I can't go up here. I'm going to go out. Wow. What a a loss. However, if I reflect on my own career experience, you know, I was brought up in the era where, you know, my, I don't think my mum even knew what my dad earned when we were growing up. You didn't discuss salary or money. That was quite vulgar. And, and my parents were, awesome but I've got to say I went into the workforce being a little bit naive now if I think about a couple of experiences that I probably didn't pay enough attention to my dad negotiated my first salary um because I some of you have heard before I was determined to leave school at 15 and go and work for a job because guess what I wanted choices at that point it was to buy a car and I knew I wasn't going to be able to buy a car if I stayed at school blah 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 so dad negotiated my salary instead of getting the statutory, you know, whatever a 15-year-old gets in a, as an office girl, I got more than that. So I, sh- I didn't pay any attention to that. But later on down the track, when I got over myself and worked out through my outrage that I was way behind for a whole r- bunch of reasons, including working part-time to be a, you know, sacrificing um, salary and, and long-term well being to be a caregiver because childcare was, Crap and all that kind of stuff. I worked out that I needed to actually step into this a little bit more deliberately and start getting over myself and asking for what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I had a family that where I was the, the primary breadwinner, and if I didn't ask for what I wanted, I wasn't going to be able to provide for my family with the in the way I wanted to choose to provide for them. So, but it's a hard one, isn't it? It's not what you're saying is it's not not going to feel uncomfortable, but have your research. I know what Susan says, and particularly no ceiling, no walls, stand in your worthiness. You know, you are worthy. And when we think about sustaining, uh, sorry, achieving and sustaining extraordinary outcomes, and Sam, you'll recall this from our Your Mantle of Leadership course, your positional purpose statement. You know, you're in the organisation to create some outcomes, work out what they are, link to it really quickly, and then ask for what you're worth. So I think that's, that's really good advice. Kerry, what about... What about then how we use? So let's say we've had the the salary negotiation, it's gone our way. And of course, as you've mentioned, salary can be, sometimes it could be non-cash. So we can get things like, you know, you can get a a degree paid for or, you know, some development or, you know, this, that and the other. But let's assume that you've got the salary you want. What are we doing with that salary? What's the rule of thumb or what should our listeners be paying attention to?
3: Look, I think for me, one of the things that look I probably didn't have top of mind until I started working on the financial literacy with Life You Choose is, is that, you know, we've got three core earning decades. So I'm talking about from 25 to 54. So those three core earning decades, then need to sustain us and the income we earn through those needs to sustain us from that 55 to effectively you know nearly 85 because that's the average age for women somewhere along that it is highly probable that we will be on our own so when we're earning this income when we're negotiating this salary when we think about what we're asking for we have to remember that that it's not just money for what you're doing today and you know supporting your family and 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 all of that it's all of the money that's actually going to take you through into your future and so and and when you get to that kind of uh 54 to to, to 55 rather to 64 there's only about half of us that are actually working and there's only about a quarter it, of is us. It that,
2: is it that low? I, I had. Yeah. No, I, I must admit, I didn't realize that the workforce participation for women was that low at that age bracket. My age bracket.
3: Absolutely, and it's frightening. Wow. It's frightening. It's very frightening, Michelle. Um, and 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 there's there's it's only a quarter of us that are actually working full time. So the others are working part time mm-hmm. as well. So your ability to influence financially what your future is going to look like starts to get harder and harder. So. It is really important that and and, and one of the things that I honestly that they should be focusing on in schools for all of us is this wonderful thing called compound interest. Oh, yes. And, you, you know, compound interest is the thing that that we all need to be thinking about and considering I did some numbers on on, on that again this morning because I, I you know whenever I'm, I'm going to talk about it I, I I raise this because it is one of those, you know, feels like it's a secret. It's not. It's just that it's it's not top of mind for us. And you know, when I started out, I started talking about, you know, a, a cup and a half of coffee. But but there's 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 three elements of it. And and again, this is one of the things that I think relates to every aspect of our lives. It's what are you going to invest? Mm. How much time do you have? And what kind of a return are you going to get? And so when we're talking about money in that context, and, and just to give you a feel of some numbers, if you start this at 22 and you're looking at getting your money out at 60 and you're putting in $5 a day, so $5 a day, it's not it's not even a, it's not your lunch, it's not, it's, it's probably half or it's a, a quarter yeah, of the lunch. It's a
2: takeaway coffee a day.
3: Absolutely and you're getting a 5% return, and that might sound like a lot now, but if you look at super, and there are other investment vehicles where you can get, you know, I've got my son has started his first investment account, which is very exciting, with his own money, and, you know, the return that he's gotten, I think, in three months is 10%. So, so, mm-hmm. so there, are, there are investment vehicles there that will outdo these returns. But $5 a day, 5% you will have saved from that $70,000 and the interest will be almost double. So, so you'll ha- you will have, by the time you're 60, dollars Now, if you contrast that to the same return but doing $7.50 a day, it's $310,000. If you contrast that with $7.50 a day but a 10% return, which Aussie Super has consistently provided close to, you're talking about $1.2 million. Mm. So there's three things there for me. One is that obviously it's that consistency. So consistently making, and, and, and I talk about putting things on autopilot because we've got so much going on in our life, work and money, you can't remember to do all the things. So as much as you can put things on autopilot, which you can with your money, then you do so, so you don't have to think about it. So that money just goes off to wherever it is, your investment account, increasing yep. your super, whatever. There's the time. So, so is that
2: is that things like so? Sorry to interrupt, Kerry. Yep. That so I know with with Rhonda and I, one of the things that because Rhonda's like you, extraordinarily good with money. One of the things the habit she got me into was whatever lands in my my little my little bank account, I can spend. Yeah. But everything else has gone before that. So my salary, you know, when I was in the, in the days when I drew a salary from a corporation and, and now even when I draw a salary from my business, what I get in my bank account can kind of be done with whatever I want. But the rest has already gone into the various, yeah. you know, whether it's a mortgage, whether it's uh, an investment or whatever it may be. So I don't actually see it because it's yeah. a bit like chocolate for me. If it's there, it's got to be eaten. If it's money, it's, if money's in, and, and I also take cash out uh well before covid i would only have my i'd have my spending money literally in my wallet every week and once that cash is gone it's gone so
3: absolutely that's what you're
2: talking about those kind of habits yeah
3: yeah, yeah. look I, okay. I um people talk about doing budgets which yes look sit down and work out what you can and what you can't do but then put it on autopilot yeah as, as you say michelle and i i always did that my mortgages and you know i bought I've bought 10 houses on my own as a single woman. My mortgages were forced savings for me, effectively. So, look, it is, and yes, spaceship investment, absolutely, and that that's what my son's investing in. Uh, the Spaceships. University-
2: Oh, I thought you, that was kind of a, a euphemism, Bronwyn, you were using, because Bronwyn's just put into the chat for our listeners, she puts $150 into Spaceship Investment Fund every month, even though I'm not earning at the moment, because it's getting me a return as opposed to sitting in my bank account. And I'm going, oh, okay. So Spaceship's like a, her, her word for it. That's like a, a real thing, right? It's a real thing. It's a real oh, thing. There you go. Uh, well done, <laughs> Bronwyn. Um,
3: it, it is a real thing. And, and, and it is, again, it's, it's it's that autopilot because you can do that with Spaceship. It just automatically you set it up how much you want to put in. Um, So the less you have to think about that stuff. But also I think... you know This
2: is a bit, sorry, this is a bit like, you know, that 1.2 million, it's a bit like when you put your jeans on from last winter and you find 20 bucks in the pocket. And you go, yes! This is like finding $1.2 million in your jeans pocket when you're 60. How cool! Yeah. Well, look, the difference between, you know,
3: $307,000 versus, you know, $1.2 million because you've actively managed it and you've looked around and made, had a look at, review it every year particularly something that's long-term like super am i in the right fund am i in the right version of that fund as well am i am i in growth balance where should i be at for my stage of life because the other thing is we get analysis paralysis so we kind of look at all the stuff and we go oh my god i can't make a decision that's too much so effectively we don't do anything so we've made a choice to just stay where we are if that's the case, then go and find somebody. We're, we're, we're loath to. We, we have this kind of aversion to financial planners. I'm not a financial planner. I don't give financial advice for individuals. I give like you know we talk about general stuff based on on my experience. But but go to a financial planner and, and engage with one, an independent one, because the other thing is that they oftentimes can give you advice that gives them the best return, not necessarily mm. you.
2: And
1: really- so you don't you
2: don't need to be. A wealthy person to go and get wealth building advice Absolutely. i think it's a really that's another myth that's good yeah. to bust isn't it and certainly there are a bunch of people in our networks particularly kerry um who run independent advisory but i think this this is also uh, overused phrase but you know knowledge is power when even that you know gee whiz $7.50 um, a day um, and, and you know you just kind of go that's knowledge now what do i do with that knowledge go and have someone help you work through that you don't have to be rich you don't have to be in your 50s in fact it's much better if you're not if you're in your 20s or 30s now is the time
3: yeah the earlier you start the better um because that the compound does that that time makes a massive difference Mm. and so you you know go and tell all the young people in your life to start it because it will you know it, it will make a material difference we had my my husband's nephew was living with with us for a while and he bought a house that was kind of the agreement you can stay with us not pay very much but we want you to stay for a house deposit and and he and he did and he's bought a house and his girlfriend bought a house and yep i talk about that in, in my book because it's it, it, it's so important and it's still doable people go well the market it's too hard you can't do it well that was a couple of years ago they did that so all of that can still be done and the earlier The earlier you start, you know, five, 10 years ago would have been great. But if you haven't, start now.
0: You're listening to Lead to Soar. Find information on upcoming events and learn how to join the network at leadtosoar.com.
2: Hey, um, I am going to hand over to our members that have tuned in uh, shortly. But Kerry, last bit of me peppering you with questions. What's bringing it back to you and leadership and your personal greatness? What's the best bit of leadership advice that you could give or, frankly, the best bit of advice that you can give our members in a career that soars about having a life you choose?
3: I think from the... From the leadership perspective, there's probably three things that I would focus on for your sort of career. Strive for better, not perfect. I think that perfection is the destroyer of creativity. It's going to inhibit your progress, your growth, and your fulfilment, not just yours, but also the people that work for you. And ultimately it leads to burnout. Mm so you know if you haven't failed and, and and look my experience with property i've made and and you, you know i've had i've had organizations come in and talk to the women about different approaches for it everything they say don't do i've done <laughs> and <Everybody> so, <laughs> so you know for me it's about what actually keeps you moving forward because if you wait for perfect uh, you're not going to you're going to be, again, you're going to be, just be looking at too many things in different ways and it's going to, you know, just just get out there um, and get started and, and look for better. The second thing is don't try to do it all and don't do it alone. You know, I, I am, and again, all of these things I have I am and I've done um, is that, you know, it, it's, 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 it's about finding the people in your life who inspire and challenge you. You know, people that have taken risks, people that have made mistakes and people that have inspired you to do more, people that, that, that will be your cheerleader, but also will give you, you know, some constructive feedback and views, which is is my third one. Treat feedback as a gift. So if someone has taken the time to provide you with feedback, listen carefully to what they're saying ask them clarifying questions and thank them for taking that time refer that back to number one we're not trying to be perfect we don't want to be perfect because perfect is not going to be helpful on on any front Um, but feedback will help you to continue to develop and grow
2: terrific advice and um, like you strive for better, not perfect, and don't try and do it all and don't do it alone. Well, yeah, I'm very, very good at dishing out that advice. Uh, Marginally better at doing it now. But but in all seriousness, this is what this community exists for. Don't do it alone. We are here in all of our flawsomeness. So what is flawsome? A woman who is awesome, but recognises she has flaws. And that is me, and that, that is all of us. But this flawsome community uh, is about getting that, ad, giving and getting advice, not having to do it alone. And I think particularly today, I, I'm really, really oh, I'm so passionate about many things when it comes to women, but money is so important. And we, I just want all of us, all of you to do it right. And particularly for our members who are at career start um, and, and moving into those middle, that middle stage of your, of your earning. Earning years, we've just got to get this right. So I'm so pleased I've had the opportunity to pick your brains. Well, in public, to have a recorded conversation, whereas we normally we're normally not recorded, and probably oh. I'm I'm slightly more sweary when we're not <laughs> recorded. But anyway, well, the <laughs> uh, so thanks, Kerry. That's awesome. Before I hand over to to our uh, our guests, I am going to say this is Kerry's book. A life reinvented, which is uh, we'll put the links and everything into the the show notes and the uh, the event notes. But I am very honoured that I was able to contribute to it as well uh, with some of my views. But I can tell you that I've shared that book with my daughter and my nieces, and uh, like Kerry's doing with her nieces, nephews, and, and son, really want to to start sharing the wisdom um, that is so important, so we can all have that life we choose. So, ladies who joined us live, over to you. What are you curious about, or what would you like to pick Kerry's brain on today?
1: It's more maybe the practical tactics or things that you do throughout the year to sense check where you are financially. Um, so, whether it is, and you know, that don't try to do it all alone um, as a single woman who hasn't got dependence, um have not been divorced so that's kind of maybe that's lucky as well but is there a way that you sit down and have a summit with yourself about my financial independence and what does it look like and how do you take yourself through that thinking when it is just you sitting here making all the decisions and looking at everything in you know often in isolation um as much as you can draw on friends and family all the decision making is up to me
3: which, Bronwyn, I, um again, when I kind of started down this journey with Life You Choose and I reflected because I was exactly the same, I met my now husband it's nearly 10 years ago, but I was pretty much single. It's a couple of um, relationships along the way because I do have a son, so there was obviously at least one. But, you, you know, I, I actually uh, found, quite frankly, it was a blessing that I had been on my own and able to make my decisions because that financial independence was something that that I had and and I, I hadn't um, lost that along the way so the practical things of that and you, you know obviously I'm a bit more structured now than, than, than what I was then but I used to do every kind of financial year a balance sheet um, I've now got a spreadsheet for that well I had a spreadsheet then but I've now got a you know pretty one so, you, you know, it is it is doing, you know, what are your assets? What are your liabilities? You know, have you moved forward from last year? Because I think, you know, it comes back to that, oh, what gets measured gets managed. And seeing that, you know, understanding if you've got a property, has a property market move, what would it be worth? That, 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 so, so doing an annual sort of a balance sheet around that and including your super and everything else. The other things, and there are, money smart uh, which is a government website that you, you can put in your super figures and it projects out for you and you put in the, the rates of return that you're expecting so just doing that so doing that kind of progressive and i think absolutely your key assets are your house and your super and if you have any investments and then just just making sure that you are continuing to move forward and uh, and and also the other thing that that I was doing because I was buying property and they unfortunately, they don't have these in print anymore because I still like a bit of print, was I subscribed to the Property Investor magazine and so every month that would arrive in the mail um, and it would be these stories about how these people had done amazing things with hardly any money and now they were multimillionaires. Um, so just getting that constant, you know, input of information that was like having your sort of cheerleaders and 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 so on to remind me that yeah I I liked property and I wanted to buy them and 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 continue to do that and probably that the next thing is and this probably more came to the fore when after I started to um, talk to people about this is what I was doing I found all of these people in my network that were you know there was a property developer there was someone who was a you know amazing um superannuation expert there was I, I didn't even know what she did before someone said you two really need to talk so think about in your tribe in your local community who are the people that you can be having those conversations with that kind of continue to inspire you or give you ideas around what you might be um what you might be doing but look i think the really one of the really important things there is is putting in a structure whether it's the end of financial year which kind of makes sense because that's when we do our tax return that you do do that sort of balance sheet and and just you know see where you're at and 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 where you're going mm.
2: and it's great practice for the business of the business as well that you're, that you're running and you know i think one of the things that i enjoy looking at particularly as a board director is you know I do like looking at balance sheets and p ls nerd that I am but then I think about I've always thought about it from my own my own financial well-being perspective um, but I think having those as you said those regular habits or those you know things so Bron for me I'd be putting a diary event or in your you know in your calendar for however often you you know however, you know, what frequency you want to do this review, but find yourself a little dashboard and, and just keep it filled in. Yeah. What other questions or, or comments from our viewers slash listeners are there for Kerry?
4: Kerry, my question's a little sort of hypothetical, which is, and a little I've got a little bit of a vested interest in it, but if there was a scenario where there was a woman 45 to 55 or older who was at risk of, Uh, some of those risk factors like divorce or loss of income, impairment, those kinds of things, and was faced with those critical decisions around how do I, what are the key things I should be doing or thinking about to prevent that fall? What, What would you say would be, and I know that's a big question and we've got a few minutes, so it's really just, is there the top three things that you would be saying around how to get help or resources or um, what to be thinking about critically
3: yeah look it, it's and and obviously pending the, the circumstances to why that fall might be happening if, if it's because of relationship breakdown I think one of the things that, that women need to do is make sure that they get the right advice I think sometimes we women just go I just want it to be over and walk away from assets do not do that so whatever you do and I'm not saying you know find a way to find out what 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 they are entitled to and what is fair and reasonable and part of that will be future earnings of them versus you know their partner. So so if it's because of a relationship breakdown, that's really important. Make sure because that's it that, that that's the moment that can send you off in whatever. Um, the other thing is is uh, if, if it's about work and they haven't got a job, go and get a job asap as quickly as they can because oftentimes if it's a divorce they can't buy the other half of the house because they don't have income. So take that time, if, it, if that's what it is, between separation and divorce to go and get a job, to start yeah. getting that earning capacity so that they can borrow and and make sure that 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 they keep that asset base. So if they can't afford to buy the house in the area that, they, that they're in, don't buy it somewhere else, whether they live in it or it's an investment, but don't let that capital deteriorate because at the end of the day that might be the difference between them living in their car or ultimately living in a house. Yeah. And then, you, you know, what, what can they do um, during that time to get some income? I think, you know, that, that's probably the most important things. And, and make sure that they're not just thinking about today, the, the decisions they're making, are also thinking about what impact they're going to have on whatever their future might look like.
2: Great advice. And we are on the hour, so it is time to finish. But I guess, you know, Cassandra, thank you for the question I'd summarise that by get advice. Don't do this alone. There are so many complexities and nuances around that time of life, relationships, the legal elements. So please, knowledge is power. So don't put yourself into a vulnerable position. Terrific advice. Kerry, thank you Uh, as always. Terrific folks who, who came live and those who are watching later, uh, there will be a bunch of resources posted into A Career That Soars uh, around how you can find out more about Kerry. She is a, a member, so please do follow her, connect with her. And uh, and I'll, as I said, all of the things that we've talked about today, I'll be putting links in, including the personal balance sheet template. Mm-hmm. So I've got my trusty CFO working on that right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks
0: for that. All right, folks, that's it for us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.
1: providing this podcast no leaders or members of a career that soars nor producers of lead to soar nor lead to soar guests nor michelle redfern nor susan colantuno nor mel butcher are acting as a certified financial planner advisor a certified financial analyst and economist cpa accountant or lawyer Neither a career that soars nor lead to soar make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial, accounting, or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither a career that soars nor lead to soar nor Susan Colantuno, nor Michelle Redfern, nor Mel Butcher accepts any responsibility for loss which may arise from accessing or reliance on information from within this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss or damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of the information.